Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeons & Gatherers podcast, the show where our two nerdy-ass friends sit around and talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons! But before we get into tonight's episode... We have a couple announcements from our sponsors, right, Josh? Uh, actually, Aaron, uh, we don't we don't have any announcements. Oh, we, from we have sponsors. no, we don't, we're not. Okay, okay, okay. So then, without further ado, let's jump into tonight's episodes of the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast. Dungeons and Gatherers. <laughs> Spin, color wheel, spin. You know, Aaron, there will be a time where, like, we get to a certain point of fame where people are like, <laughs> all right, so what's, like, the next theme song, right? Like, almost like our season two theme song. So when that comes around, we'll do spin the color God, wheel. God, I hope so. Everyone listening at home should be so happy that they ended up with the intro that they got instead of all of the weird parody songs we tried to make up. You know, I think that's absolutely fair. It, it was a process, but Aaron, you came up with the correct theme song. Thank you, thank you. And for those of you that are just very confused, we're talking about Critical Role today. So we decided to steal their intro because I guess that's what we do. Well, no, no. I, I read a book a while ago called Stealing Like an Artist where technically all art is just stolen from other artists and creates your own inspiration. So we're basically Imitation just is the highest form of taking flattery. pieces, taking pieces from other people and creating our own. However, you would say the pieces are just taking the Critical Role theme song and just changing the words to color wheel rather than yes, roll. Yeah, that's not that's not artistic. That's not stealing like a Not artist. artistic at all. But um, at the time of recording, Legends of Vox Machina Season 1 has come to a close. We're not really a review podcast, so we're not here to like review the show or anything like that. But we thought, what is something that we can do, because we love Critical Role, to use Legends yes. of Vox Machina, but not just be like, this is what we liked about the show. This is what we didn't like about the show, because that's not who we are as a podcast. Right. And additionally, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary of when we talked about the color wheel. So we decided, Josh and I, it was mostly triggered by that conversation we had a couple episodes ago about if I was imagining Beauregard from the Mighty Nine as a Magic the Gathering card. Josh was like, hey, Aaron, what if we did like a Magic the Gathering color wheel themes for each of the Vox Machina characters? And I was like, great idea. And what if we included the Mighty Nine also? Boom. See, that's how we make content. So that's what we're doing. All of the characters that um, the actors on Critical Role have played in those first two seasons we are going to give them color combos talk about them like if they were magic cards do that whole kit and caboodle and hopefully give you all some insights about um maybe making some color patterns or color schemes for your own D characters exactly and also since these uh critical rollers they're also on campaign three right now we're not going to really dive into the characters there but like is there a trend with a certain player to go to the same kind of colors depending, even if it's a different right. character, you always go back to a certain color? Or do certain classes usually play along certain color schemes? Oh, that's going to be so interesting. All right, we should just dive right in then. Let's get right into Okay. Crit- let's uh, roll on in to Critical Role. Mm, yeah, let's roll initiative. Who wants Spin to go Spin the first? color wheel, everybody. <laughs> Let's start with Vox. Let's just get right into Legends of Vox Machina. All right. Um, is there a certain character that you want to start off with? Let's see. I think the one that I feel strongest about, having just finished the Legends of Vox Machina, 
is um, Vexalia. Okay. I am very confident with where I placed her. Well, if that's the case, do you mind and if I hear your color first before I say mine that I was thinking? Of course. I think she's a combo. Uh, I think she's pretty Orzhov. She's white and black. Okay. Interesting. Because everything she does is for her and hers, right? I use the phrase me and mine a lot to describe Orzhov because she's like team focused, but above all else, like she only really like within that there's like layers, right? Where you get closer to her. So it's like her and Vax are like yes. number one, right? She cares for Vax above everybody else and then also herself, right? And then within that there's Vax Machina. And then, like, she cares about them, and then anybody else is, like, another layer down. Black was definitely in there for me because self-interest. You could see that she's Absolutely. always Oh, and herself. she's so greedy. But you do see the connection that she has with her brother, and that's very strong, even though they're both characters that are very into their own interests. They have such a passion of Orzhov unity. I would like to also say there was another color I wanted to throw in there. I actually had a three-color idea for our oh. ranger friend here. Okay. I threw green in as well. Because she's a ranger. Because she's a ranger, yes. And just because green and is such a strong a affinity with and... nature. and But that's mm -hmm. really all that I saw with green. So it was more white, black, and like maybe toss a green in if there was like a second set with her in it. <laughs> I was thinking about this too because we get to watch these characters grow for literally over 100 episodes. Yeah, that's right, something, in right? In both campaigns. Yeah. And see all their different aspects and how they change and develop the same way you can see like a Planeswalker card, you know, get go through different iterations in different sets and have different colors, you know, ascribed to it. Right. So like, for instance, like Tamio, my fave, if you didn't know, like she originated as just a mono blue Planeswalker and then she was blue, green and white. And then she's been solidly blue-green for a couple sets now. Yeah. But, like, there's been this progression, right? Exactly. And the other thing, too, just, I don't think we see it very much in the Legends of Vox Machina because it's much more... I think each of the characters, at least in this first season, has been, like, distilled to more core concepts to make them all very unique. Hmm. And because Keyleth as a druid is so naturey, I think we lose a lot of Vexalia's nature-basedness throughout the series. I see what you're saying. So that's why I tried to stray away from just being like, oh, she's a ranger, green. All right, then. I like that. So we're going to say, I'm going to say Orzhov then for that. With the possibility Absolutely. in future sets that get printed. <laughs> in future sets. Maybe the black-white-green version of our ranger yeah. friend. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I really did try to stray away from Triomes, too, which I know we sh got to think about Triomes for a new Kapana. But, like, I find if you're going to include a Triome, it's, like, the third one is tertiary, right? We've got primary, secondary, tertiary. So it's, like, in one instance, we include this, right? It's, like, a fragment. I have only two others on the list that I thought of as Triomes. The rest I got just either dual or... I've got, I've got like one or two, yeah. All right, well, I guess we're going to have to find out and see which ones they are. But I, I think it's only so, right to move on to the brother then after that. I struggled a lot with that. I did as well. I'll let you go I had go a very first. hard time okay. with this. Okay, so there's a clear way that we're thinking. We've been talking about Demir so much and what a rogue usually mm -hmm. identifies with, which is the blue-black yes. color combination. Mm-hmm. And I thought about blue-black, and honestly, I kind of put Vax in that category because there's self-interest within him, mm -hmm. similar to his sister, but also there's a level of deceit, and blue is known as a color of deceit. Right. He's also very cunning. Yes, and that's just a very roguish thing. Now, of course, there is, like, a passionate side to Vax, and, like, he cares about certain people, 
But I don't know how strong the white is. Like, I would like to toss in a splash of white as a triumph, but I really just see him as a black-blue rogue. Yeah, I that's I very much landed on black-blue also. He's much more team-oriented, I think, and, like, charitable than his sister is. Yeah. But I just, like, have such a mental block in my mind of what blue-white is like. Like, it's so heavily, like, Azorius Senate. Like, no, exactly. You know, like, order through law. You know, that, like, I just could not in good conscience give that to Vax. Which is not him. And I think there was a good point that you brought up, like, episodes ago and we talked about when we talked about, like, alignments in D&D. Like, you're right about, like, the third color has to be important because it's just, like, a lawful evil character giving a kid an apple once. Like, it's not very important. Or I guess, like, we could just say within the first episode of Legends of Vox Machina, Vax sure. shows care. When he gives the kid the exactly, coin. Exactly, gives the kid a coin. He, he shows care to just another character. Like, is that very crucial to him as a character? Who's to really say? But I think at this point, Who's to say, he is right? mostly a black-blue rogue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But we'll see. Now Future just... sets. We'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But we got the Demir and Orzhov brother and sister so far. <laughs> Shout out. What a, what a you know, a delightful duo. I love them. Also, I mean, you know, Liam O'Brien's mm-hmm. my favorite in the... Um, uh, we know bunch, this. So. But speaking of my favorite, uh-huh. um, I want to talk about little Pike Trickfoot. Definitely. My love, Ashley Johnson. Hi, be my friend. <laughs> um, who I uh, would solidly put into red and white. Because she's like, you know, she's a rebel rouser, very like fiery personality, right? And a lot of her struggle, um, a lot of Pike's struggle in in Vox Machina is through like, how can she be a good steward of her faith, right? And help people and do good, very white aligned thinking, while also realizing that she's sort of a wild child, you know, and like, wants to drink and party and fight and curse, you know, which is like sort of and like be chaotic. Definitely. So I find the the red white boros combo really suiting her i completely agree like originally when i was doing pike the only color that came to mind was white for a while because there's this Mm -hmm. total thing of her being uh, a symbol of like peace and like a higher power and like trying she's a holy person exactly strive towards that but then i had to think about what the influences around her then added to her color and that's why i also had the boros red white color combination because you see that she has impulses of destruction sometimes and using actions for like the you know classic knight of Boros, I will fight for the for the mm-hmm. holy power. That's heroism, right? Is red and white yes. at its core. That's what they agree about. The red is also influenced from another character in Vox Machina. Mm-hmm. So I would like to just take our attention over to our friend Grog, and I'm gonna love Grog. I'm gonna stick my guns to this one, and I, I wonder what you think about yeah. this. I just said uh-huh. red. I also just said red. Yeah, mono red. Grog's pretty cut and dry, and that's sort of on purpose, I think. Exactly. Like, I don't want to like say that colors with or characters with less colors are less developed characters because I don't think that's a right assumption to yeah, have. I don't think so either. But yeah, Grog really is simply the big dumb has impulses to just kill constantly. That's really all that he is as a character, and he's good at it. Yes, exactly. So it makes sense that he doesn't have to think in any other way. He doesn't have to think at all. That's also another reason why he is just mono red. He just does. There's no. <laughs> He's like pure impulse. Yes. You always need a character that's willing to push the button. You know, in any D and D context. <laughs> Who better than a barbarian, right? It's like I could take damage. Literally, part of what because I love to push the button. Yeah. You know, 
part of what's really drawing me to the barbarian class and like a lot of one shots I play is just like the sense of indestructibility. (laughs) No, I completely understand that because like I always joke because there's a barbarian in our home campaign Snorri. Like it is always so hard for me to kill the barbarian. I'm just like I put so much. You you found a lot of ways to hurt Snorri over the over the years. Is it? a good character quality to basically say I have found ways to kill my players. Like, I have worked meticulously to figure out your weaknesses. <laughs> to be fair, it's the job of the DM to present challenges. That's fair. You know? If you didn't, if you just were like, oh shit, guess I can't hurt Snorri at all, it would be too easy. You know? That's a good point. But I, I don't want to focus on the violence and the fighting. I want to take our minds to a character that's a little more connected to nature. Maybe that will cleanse my uh, uh, my rage-filled mind of trying to kill my players yes, in please. creative ways. Of course. Let's go to our druid. Ah, <laughs> uh, shout out to druids, man. Love them. Keyleth, um, obsessed with her. I think she's heavily green influenced. Yes. I could see her being mono green. I would also allow green white. Okay. I know she like has ties to like, you know, her people, the Ashari, but she's sort of estranged from them, you know? Yeah. And I don't really see her so like often druids are all about like the interconnectedness of everything and you know, I know Keyleth as a character I've heard Marisha talk about as like very into doing the right thing. Yes. You know, very into helping people and being good. So like not to say that white magic is good, you know, but like it's more aligned with helping others, which is the whole green-white thing. Okay. I had a little different approach for our druid friend here. Green was definitely in it, because you're right. Based on how the show is structured, the druid is going to be the more nature-focused one. Just yeah, absolutely. simply how it's going to be. But I went with blue. Ooh. A green-blue combination. Because I do find Kaleth to be a character that's very cautionary, who carries a lot of nerve. So it is someone who takes a step back and kind of observes things from the back. So the combination someone of nature with cautionary. Yeah. I think throughout my whole list, I was like really hesitant to... No one got blue green for me out of any of the um out of huh. any of the characters. Interesting. Somehow my favorite color combo, I was like, You're not good at it. You're not oh, is that like and I do see like <laughs> Keyleth is Keyleth is a problem solver, you know? She's very smart and like figures it all out, you know. I think you gotta be more open. I was willing to give people Orzhov, which is my favorite color combination. <laughs> <laughs> I also think Orzhov is like we have such strong examples of Orja. Yeah. You know, you just have to look at like the Ravnica pod and look at Katarina and she's like everything that Orzhov can be. I think like, and I don't know if this is being too meta about like how magic works, but like Simic is such a strong color combination in Commander. It's actually the strongest color combination. Mm-hmm. And to think of like a singular figure that's able to right. wield such a powerful thing of ramp and card draw and control. It's hard to find characters that you would fit in that mindset of like, yes, they are these powerful enough beings to be able to wield mm-hmm. this power of nature. It's a very specific mix yes. of like of absolute perfection, you know. Exactly. Of like having both fully optimized like natural power as well as artificial. And I think like the reality is just like based on the players and critical role, I'll agree then. I don't think a lot of them really show that kind of way. Because if there's like any color that I associate with a lot of them, it's black. Like blue isn't a common mm. color that I have with a lot of them. Yeah, I don't know. I guess not. Looking at my list, there's only a few. But my next one, um, I, I give Percy blue. 
you know, because he's like an engineer. He's a tinkerer. He's very smart. Yeah. Um, he's got that sort of reserved quality. Um, I also, because he's driven by vengeance and fear, I gave him blue black, mm. but I could see him, you know, in his like pure state, just being mono blue. Yes. So a flip card. A flip card. I want a flip card. Because my thing is, I find red to be such a good color with Percival as well, because of his emotions, how they take over when mm-hmm. he gets into these like states of rage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a really good reason too. I found I gave red to a lot of of characters. Yeah. And I think part of that is they're heroes, you know? Yes. They're the people that are willing to go take action and, you know, act outside of like, you know, like the normal confines of their day-to-day. They're here to like go stir shit up. They're not like like um passive observers. I I completely agree. Besides, we wouldn't really wouldn't want to watch an adventure if everyone was being unbelievably passive. Like that's not Yeah, they were all just sitting around <laughs> thinking thoughts. And that's why like Vox Machina is such a fun party is because the majority of them are very action-driven characters. They're mm-hmm, characters that definitely. will run in and do the, they'll fuck shit up. There we go. There's the explicit yeah. title on our uh, There podcast. we go. And it wasn't me. I'm pretty confident in calling Percy a triome character. That's fair. I just think Percival is so deep. And I don't know if it's because, like, there's such, like, a heavy story focus of revenge with him. I also think, like, in the first season, we see a lot of Percy's arc. That's a good point. That we don't quite get to anybody else's yet. So he's had more opportunity to sort of develop these layers and dig out his triome, you know? That's a good point. We've got one left in the old VM. I was about to say, I was trying to to come up with, like, a segue of being, like, and now for a character that is a very different character development, let's go to... (laughs) Right. Yeah, similar in line to my thinking with Grog, I also made Scanlan just mono-red. I tossed Blacken as well, because Mm. I think out of all the characters in Vox Machina, he is the most selfish. He is self-absorbed for sure. I mean, he has an automaton follow him around and record all of his deeds. I know, right? You don't see that in the show, but it's what happens in the actual, like, in the actual play. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I agree. And also, I think, like, Rakdos is just so commonly used with, like, self-absorbed performers. I'm actually going to use this as a cool segue to get into the Mighty Nine. All right. Because I also gave Red Black to Molly Mock, which partially, like, he's a circus performer and, you know, a tiefling, um, <laughs> just like Rakdos. But he has that very same sort of like devil may care attitude where it's about just like pleasure and living life almost um, in a Dionysian fashion. Yes. You know, it's like and you can be red black without being demonic and evil and like capricious. Right. Because sometimes you think about red black like like the Joker, you know, who just wants impulse and chaos and just like everything for themselves. This can, there can be like some more fun laid back ways to be red and black aligned. I like how you put Molly as red and black, even though I had Molly as red and white. I'll, I'll explain my weird reason why the white mm-hmm. got thrown in there. But it, it's cool to think like red and black Molly compared to red and, ba- red and black, uh, well, any other character that we have written down here. I mean, I had Percival originally as like just red and black and that's it. Mm-hmm. But very different takes on that color oh, absolutely. not similar in any way and it's cool seeing from the same voice actor playing both of the characters we've identified them as being or at least i've identified like similar color the reason why i used white for molly though is like molly is the glue that brings the party together absolutely. i find that's fair and out of all the characters he's really the only one that allows for that 
and without going into any spoilers, I think he is the true reason why they're unified as a party. And that's why I think Red White. Mm-hmm. Well, Molly also had that. Um, his philosophy was to leave a place better than you found it. Yes. You know, so so I could definitely give him a triome. He could be red, black and white. That would be fine. All right. Let's get fun character, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I still think like Molly's personal pleasure is very high on the list. Yes. Right. But he doesn't want his pleasure at the expense of other people. I completely agree. So I think we have a fun opportunity right here because we have two characters within the same campaign that we can talk about and how they're very different. Yes. So let's go over to Mr. Clay, who's also played by Talos oh, and Jeffy. Oh, Caduceus Clay. I've been listening to the um, Mighty Vibes a lot for Clay. Oh, yeah. Because it's just such a great mm-hmm. one to meditate to. It's so relaxing. Oh, I pour nice. a cup of mushroom I love, tea. No surprise. When I'm doing work, I like to listen to the Mighty Vibes to study oh, to, right? Nice. The one with Caleb and Bo. Great. Well, everybody pull out your mushroom tea and uh, get ready to meditate. Uh, your dead people tea. Because we're talking about uh, Mr. Clay. I have green. Just green. Mono green. I just found that Mr. Clay was just so in touch with nature and just very passive, honestly. And it just kind of struck me as being a perfect, like, I'm one with nature, that's it. And I have a strong connection to my tradition of what position I hold. And that's just all within the same color of green. So I was just like mono green. I'm like struck by that. Yeah, it feels really solid. He embodies that like green idea of like harmony and like acceptance, you know? know. The first debate. I thought about throwing in some extra colors. Because, like, he's a grave cleric, so I thought about throwing in some, you know, some black. Okay. But, um, and then I thought about how much he cares about his family and also just, like, the earth itself, right? And how that's very, like, green-white thinking, very Selesnian. I wouldn't be mad to just have him be, just be green. I think it's interesting. I, I like, I wanted to give all these characters a second color if I possibly could. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we just talk about how fun when you have two different colors the cards become in Magic. The interplay between the two. But yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't strong enough to put white into the color combination. It just didn't strike me. Um, when you add multiple colors, it's sort of like you get a broader scope, but you don't go as deep. Versus whenever you just have one, you're so deep in that. You get to like every intricacy and sort of like nuance of that color. Yeah. But regardless of whether white or not would be added to Mr. Clay, it is really cool that Taliesin took Molly, and I, I agree more on the side of red-black, and then playing another character who is green-white, which is one of the yeah, most who's the exact furthest apart choices that you could possibly make. Yeah, and yet the two characters are incredibly similar. Yes! Yeah. How's that possible? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, maybe is it just that... I think, actors carry certain things with them. I think so. I think that each I've sort of each of the character or each of the actors sort of has a a kind of thing they like to do, right? So like Liam is classic for his character always leaves the room last. Yes, you know, like I notice that all the time. Caleb's always got one more thing he wants to do. He wants to have like secret one on ones. Orem does the same thing in Exandria Unlimited, yes. you know? Um, uh, Sam fucks then, things up. I think the same thing with Vax. Yeah. Sorry, no, what? I just said Sam just fucks things up. Sam is always like... He's a he's big force the, of chaos. The wrench and the I gears, approve. yeah. I mean, when you think about it, Travis is always the kind of player that wants to push the button. You know, he does it as Grog, and then when he's Ford, he's like 
ostensibly like as a warlock like maybe going to unleash you know crazy ancient gods on the world that might cause destruction you know okay so this is great because i literally wrote this um for ford so do you mind if we jump right into ford then we can jump to Ford. So yeah, for yeah. these next couple ones, what I want to do is like look at the character and then look back at the Vox Machina character that they played before and just compare them quickly, see if there's a... Mm-hmm. Of course. So for Ford, red was such a big choice in the color wheel for me when building Ford because I thought about characters that have such a strive for power, I think. Mm-hmm. And I find Ford being someone who is always... who is like attached to such great powers... And you're right, could wield such amazing (laughs) strength. And I went in the end with red, black, blue. I had a interesting, very piratey. A little triumph of action, deliberation Mm -hmm. with blue, action with red. Right. And black, I guess, could also be considered the power color as well, rather than red. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like putting it into both colors power being a black red that's fine interest i went a totally different direction because i saw a lot of ariadne in okay so i made ford green and black interesting because that's sort of like power at what cost you know sort of like he's got these ties to nature right with like the ocean and like all of that yeah um but also like he's not afraid to like desecrate it you know in terms of like unleashing his patron yeah like He's sort of tapped into these darker forces and has made deals that are sort of for his own self-interest and power and have that sort of like um, profanity to them. I like that addition of green. I really never thought of it in that way of like power what cost, but that's such a huge part of Ford's character. Like what am I sacrificing? Mm -hmm, Which black is such a huge color with sacrifice. And this is not, I don't know if this is a spoiler. So if you're sensi, stop listening for now. Um, Earmuffs. Um, but Travis says in the the wrap-up of Campaign 2 that he would have unleashed Ukotoa if he could have, right? If he could have kept it a secret, he totally would mm-hmm. have. But every time he was contacted by his patron, he would wake up vomiting salt water. And so then the whole group caught on and he, like, couldn't do it anymore. So interesting. Yeah. So I think – I just think that that's really cool. I love that. No, that is really great. And if I could just say in comparison to Vox Machina to Mighty Nine. I think Ford is a much deeper character than Grog is. Absolutely. There's much more going on. And that's really cool to have Travis play a character that is less of just the big, strong archetype of being the dumb barbarian Mm -hmm. to this pirate with just so much going in on the inside. And I love that thing you brought uh, uh, brought up about the wrap-up because I had no idea that that was something that was going through Travis's mind. Which I think is so cool. And I just like wonder like what kind of what how would the campaign have been different? You know, like incredibly different if we were dealing with Ukotoa instead of dealing with what they're dealing with at the end of campaign two. Agreed. You know, speaking of unleashing a chaos among the entire world, let's talk about not the brave. Oh, not the brave. I thought that was a seamless transition into Jester. <laughs> oh, that is chaos too. Dang it. Both of those yeah, are good. The chaos crew. You know, I, I actually want to talk about Jester first because I do love Jester. <laughs> I had so much trouble pinning Jester, too. Yes. So I ended up with red and blue, but for, like, a really weird reason. Okay. Because it's, like, the chaos, but also, like, the trickery domain is very, like, conniving, cunning. She does a... Laura Bailey is also just an incredible player of Dungeons & yes. Dragons. Right? Like, let's just start there. She's so smart, and Jester does so many smart things, you know, like like the cupcake incident, of course. which, you know, shall remain nameless. Exactly. 
um, <laughs> if you know, you exactly. know that like she is so smart. Yeah. And also is an envoy of chaos in the world. And so for that, blue, red. So red, similar red. I mean, just someone of mm-hmm. action going on every impulse to do something crazy if Jester can. I threw green in as well, though, because I think Jester is such a draw to the Traveler throughout, mm. like, you know, Jester's story. And I just think spirituality is such a huge part of who Jester is. And even though it's not like, you know, your classic, like, monks in a temple spirituality, like, right. I really think it's just such a huge draw. And especially because maybe that is just a cleric thing. It's funny because you said this about my trick- my trickery cleric, Victor, too, when we were giving yes. color combos. You called him green and red also. Maybe that's my trickery cleric combination. Maybe. Which now, I looking back, I think Victor is solidly like red, white, and green. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Exactly. Sadly, Victor's not in uh, the critical role. I know. He's yet. not in the Mighty but Nine. But maybe a guest mm, in crazy. campaign three. Who knows? If we if we play our cards <laughs> right. Because they have to at least do at least, what, like oh. 110 more episodes. Right. We got exactly. about a solid that's two years hope. to make something happen. <laughs> We've got time. We've got so much time. Yeah, so, all right. No, that, and I, I like that look at red and blue as well. I did have somebody else as red and blue, though. And yes, this is going to be a please. callback to an earlier podcast that we did, but mm-hmm. about Bo's color identity. Yeah. Which I think Definitely. is blue and red. Oh, by the way, sorry. Before we jump into that, I just want to say Laura Bailey, I think, is one of the main people who could make different characters so night and day. Oh, so different from Vexalia. Like, I don't even see the difference. And I always joke, like, whenever they do, like, the thing at the beginning, it's like, hi, I'm Laura Bailey. You might recognize me as blah, 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 blah. She is, like, the one person where I'm like, those are two different people. (laughs) I feel that. Yes, very much so. Yeah, so I just wanted to throw that in before we went into Bo, because I know we were comparing and contrasting. So Mm -hmm. I'm good to go back into Bo. All right, Bo. Bo, who's also incredibly different than Keela. Yes, yes, which I give Marisha a lot yeah. of credit for. Um, Blue-red for me. I'm, I'm keeping to my guns the same that I had um, during the podcast before because I think uh, Cobalt Soul, huge on knowledge. I mean, it's a monk that's all based mm-hmm. on intellect and knowing thy enemy. But red right. because she fights. She's a, t- she's a tough cookie, you know? As the, as the youths call Well, and the thing is, too, she's, like, not afraid to be a little bit brash yeah you know especially in the beginning she's very rough around the edges and right and she does what she wants i also thought this was one of those that i imagined in like multiple sets Mm. you know i feel like expositor lionette if that was a thing where it's like super her like post campaign cobalt soul sort of like sharp pantsuit fighting crime Mm. i think that's like a blue white card you know that's the very law and order and then but like when it's like street brawler bow that's like blue and red you know and like maybe there's something in the middle that's mono blue because i feel a lot of that from Beauregard as well yeah i totally i totally see that i guess you know it is such like a tough question because people go through various different stages of life and it's mm-hmm. like what snapshot right. they go do you through, take yeah different stages of what's important to them you know because ultimately the color wheel tells you about your character's priorities right what qualities they choose to act upon yes so that's why magic the gathering i'm double downing what i say is that i think you should do a wild mount set great all right perfect they got that out of the that's way. all <laughs> carry on yep so yes very different of course from a character that's so green aligned and we were talking mm-hmm. about you know just like a, and even though there is either that blue or white because both of us had those takes on uh keyleth still 
Keyleth is not somebody who's gonna beat the shit out of somebody she doesn't like. But also good to know that like, and I fall into this as well, Marisha. So I'm with you. Like, gotta play a character that's smart. Yeah. You know, I have to play a character that can like perceive. Oh god. That's fair. <laughs> I I forgot. Oh, uh, I think I was I was re-listening to Ravnica. Was it Zija? I can't remember. I think Zija has like horrible wisdom or something. Or was it horrible charisma? Yes, you do. Because I remember, like, I made a check for Both. you, and you're like, what's your modifier? I'm like, negative two. <laughs> I'll have to make sure it's Zizha. I forget which one it is, but, but it could be yeah, either of but those. But no, I, yeah. I completely understand. It's like, it's so hard to play a character that's not perceptive, because it's just, this is a game that has sadly been built where perception is so important. Absolutely. It's, well, I mean, this is why you have a team, yeah. right? Because you, I want to be good at everything. Because you either, like, can sense things really well or you know a lot about things, right? So, like, wisdom or intelligence. And you have to talk to people, you know? Totally. So, like, you have to be good at charisma. So, like, you have to have a group of people so that way you can get all your bases covered, you know? I completely agree. Yeah. But speaking of a party, because we're right, you know, not everyone's the smart person in the party. <laughs> I'd like to now right? finally go into Not the Brave. <laughs> Yes, not. Um, I was tempted to give not one color. Wow, I gave not two. I was tempted just to give not black, actually. Oh. And I don't know if this is me thinking of the actor too much and the way that Sam plays not. And it's also like not's a goblin. So are you being prejudiced? No, that's not where it's coming from. Come on, Aaron, <laughs> don't don't throw me under the bus right here. <laughs> All right, uh, hey, goblin protest. I'm gonna try to jump ahead of this now. I think goblins yep. can be whatever goblins want to be. You want to be Thank a you. brave knight, you go for it. If you want to be a sneaky assassin, you go for it. Goblins, you have multiple choices. That being said, I feel as though Sam plays all his characters with self-interest. I actually think a big part of Knot's character, right, is about her family. And um, even early on in the campaign, she has this very motherly role towards Caleb, yeah. right? I remember they have, like, some conversation in in like some tavern that's like the the relationship between Caleb and I is like a mother and child and everyone's like oh yeah Caleb takes care of you and she's like no no I I take care of Caleb I make sure he's all yeah. right <laughs> and so I actually made not not the brave as red and white okay. because she's a hero she's secretly a hero she's very brave she cares about a lot of people you know she's sending money and gifts back to her family wants to be there for them and also she's fucking insane true for all the fluffer nutters and chaos crew tats, you know, I gave not red. Okay. I, I see where red comes yeah. in then. Uh, actually, originally, funny enough, where you said the family, I did have a black white idea for not as well. Ah, just because of that works too. That glue. Ultimately, I was very hesitant to go anywhere near blue or black hmm. because that's what I gave to Vax too. And I was like, rogues can't just be blue and black. Come yeah, on. Yeah. And then I think, like, my rogue is also blue and black with a little bit of green. And I was like, damn it. I think, you know, the reality is, because we asked this at the beginning of the podcast, right? I know we haven't finished all the characters yet, but, like, does the class affect the color? And I think it does, because there's just certain mm -hmm. roles that certain classes are meant to fulfill. And usually your personality is going to be reflective of what you do. Mm -hmm. So, That's yeah. fair. <laughs> Yeah, it's your skill set, right? So it's like how you choose to carry yourself. Exactly. Like, you could be a red-green rogue, but you're probably not a great rogue if that's the case. I'm trying to think, you know? So it's like, what also, I guess it just depends on how much you believe in what you do, mm. right? Yeah, so if, if you're that rogue that just, like, 
charges up and acts impulsively, you know, I think you can still be sneaky about it, right? I think so too. It's hard, but I like you'd be hard pressed to find a druid that's not green yeah. in any way. And Magic the Gathering, because we've had the Forgotten Realm set, has assigned colors to the classes, you know? Right. So it's like very interesting to try to break that now because now that the rogue class card is a blue black card, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay. It looms in the That's forefront rogues. of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My character decks will never be the same now. Yeah. To be fair, um, I, I because we're talking about Sam Regal, just to go back on his Vox Machina character, Magic the Gathering says that the bard class is red and green. And I didn't think green oh. at all for Sam Regal whatsoever when it came to Legends of Vox Machina. Like that mm-hmm. co- that concept of like being a bard with traditions and storytelling. Right. Yeah, that's sort of like yeah, the the whole like lore aspect of it. Or I even think about like um like the simple joy and power of music. Yes. You know? This is like a bit <laughs> this we're going a bit off the rails I know. here, <laughs> but like as as a musician, one of my coworkers was like He's like much more spiritual um, about it than I am, but was like, what we do is so incredibly special, you know, like this is a gift, like there's magic in us, mm. which is like, I'm like, okay, this is a staff meeting, like can we chill <laughs> out? Um, but, but it's, you know, there's something especially about bards. Bards literally take their stories and make them magical, yes. right? So there's something, there is something green about that. You're absolutely that. right, yeah. So I guess you can break uh, the class mold. You can break the color class mold that uh, exists in Magic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've got one character left before we get into our overall I think thoughts. we have two, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. we do. I forgot Caleb. How Whoops. Di- <laughs> oh, you know what? This is so Speaking funny. Speaking of blue-black, Wait. Caleb. Okay, let me just say this quickly. I was thinking <laughs> foremost about the voice actor that I love the most and you were thinking foremost about the voice actor that you love the most. We're like, and I'll save the best for last. <laughs> All right, so we'll do Caleb first. That's fine. Um, You know how much that I love Caleb. So I had Blue Black, yes. of course, in there. Which shout out to Liam O'Brien playing another Blue Black character. Yeah. I like I was toying around with red just because he shoots fire. I know like it's so stupid because that's really like the only reason why I had red in there. But which like that's a certain amount of, you know, color theory is also a little bit of like, what do you do? Because that's why so many druids are green. I know. Right. But you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you. Blue, black. I think there is so much self-interest in Caleb and a lot of deceit, too. Besides being mm-hmm. someone who wants when to control. Everything he does is calculated, yeah. you know? Like, Liam's talked before about how, like, Caleb runs the numbers, and he goes with what's the most advantageous option, and, like, yes. you know? There's there's a whole lot of, like, impersonalness to Caleb. Which, here's the thing. I think Caleb is amazing, and I think and I Vax Caleb. is amazing, yeah. too. I think they're very deep characters, but we have decided mm-hmm. the same exact alignment for both of them, and I think they are I think they're very different. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's almost like I can see how like Vax might play more into the black mana thinking and Caleb might play more into blue. Yes. You know, like it's because they have similar. Um, This is the whole class thing, right? That's like they have similar mindsets, similar approaches, but they have drastically different skills. And so that changes like the way that they engage with the world. So like Vax can get away with more stuff because he's a rogue. So he's allowed to think a little bit more selfishly and be a little bit more risky, right? Versus Caleb is a soft, squishy little wizard boy that has to calculate everything that he does to make sure he can get away That's with true. it. That's true. There's no uncanny dodge. We've talked about the importance of Yeah, there's of no the uncanny, uncanny dodge. dodge. Yeah. 
All right, we talked about the love of my life, so now we can um talk about Yasha! the love of your life with Yasha. <laughs> yeah, wow. I honestly thought about making Yasha mono white because she's an angel. But um, I could also go with white and black. Hmm. I think that there's a lot of like, even I'm going back to like the beginning of the campaign, right? Yasha's a bouncer in the circus. Yes. You know, she's there to protect her people. And she does the same thing with the Mighty Nine. You know, she's always, it seems like her character is often thinking in terms of groupings of people, right? Totally. And sort of like working with them, working for them, you know? And ultimately she wants to do good. I think she wants to help people. All right, so this is this is someone you care about a lot, Aaron. So I'm gonna say this, and I hope I hope that you understand. White, 100. Mm-hmm. percent But I yeah. actually went with white blue. Interesting. Because I think out of all the people in the Mighty Nine, Yasha, and they they talk about this a lot. Like Yasha is one of the most kind and like soft spoken people mm-hmm. within the group, and I really I think Yasha. there's a level of like that. I guess I'm thinking of it more as a magic player, like. You're stepping back and you're looking at everything like an Azorius person mm-hmm. would. You know what I mean? You're not taking actions immediately. No, yeah. Yasha's very thoughtful, very thought out. Even like she says that she doesn't sometimes her words get confused. So she likes to write things down instead. You know, like she's able to to process and think more in that way yeah. than just like impulsively like red aligned. No, don't get me wrong. I think that there's like a beautiful version of a Yasha card, which is like white and black or white and blue on one side. And then like the flip side is red and something else to like show that there mm-hmm. is that underlying that cool. um, darkness within, you know, but, but I guess that's the case. With yeah, the she's character. got the rage for sure. Yeah. Being and a barbarian, right? Also, like that's I the thing. <laughs> I was also thinking about constructing a Yasha deck, right? And how like you have to have red and blue in there somewhere because she's so connected to the Storm Lord. And so many lightning cards are red and blue, you know, that like you have to find a way to access those. And so I was also thinking about like, what if she's a mono white card? And then um, just like some other cards we've had, she's got abilities on her card that are blue and that use blue and red mana. So that way, if you make a Yasha commander deck, you know, you can have all three of those involved. And then also she's the same color scheme as Beauregard, but like. Whatever. I know it's I think like the amazing thing when we're doing this is like to remember that like both Yasha and Pike have this strong white alignment but like just because mm-hmm. characters have the same colors it doesn't mean that they have to be the same mold like a classic NPC right. you would think like every night that's white aligned in like a D&D campaign they're all the same. Like, they're all these, oh, unity, mm-hmm. uh, for peace and justice. For honor. And, yeah, selflessness, yeah. equality. Like, no, and I'm really happy to see, like, even if they keep similar color schemes, they're different. They're different people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's super cool. Definitely. Yeah, Yasha is very different than Pike. Very different, yeah. Size-wise, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she really went zero to 100 on Shortest that Shortest to tallest character. That is a pretty funny mm-hmm. thing to get to do. Oh, that's such a funny. That's everybody. Yeah, we did it. That's the whole gang. Wow. I'm really happy that we did that. Yeah. I, I was like, I was so excited, and honestly, I don't know. Maybe if like we could like have Elliot on or something, and like if we really want to get into nitty gritty, maybe talk about some of these that are our favorites, like what we would do if they were actually a magic card, like mm-hmm. what abilities, like actually re- like design. I know them that up. would be a fun thing to do. Maybe that's something we do in the future. 
Just like maybe. maybe. It's all about teasing. It's never revealing what we're actually gonna do. Yeah, just... absolutely. We I think we've realized um over the past year that if we promise too much, it means we actually have to do it. But if we just tease it, then we could be like, oh, just kidding. Just a little tease. But don't worry. Just there are the projects we talked about at the beginning of the year are getting worked on. Yes, they are going yes. to happen. I promise. Exactly. So no worries there. But yeah, I guess we're done. Uh, we have spun the color wheel, and it was our turn to spin, and we have spun. We'll be off this next week, but don't worry. The week after, we'll be right back. We love you so much. And is it Tuesday yet? No, wait. Like and subscribe to the Dungeons & Gathers <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we also have an Instagram. And we have an Instagram. <laughs> At DND Gatherers. <laughs>